Auburn's transfer class adds extra wins for the Tigers in 2024. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, it is Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as a million other places. Lindsay, we'll talk about the coordinators later in the show. And sadly, there's not a whole lot to report there. Some smoke. We'll discuss it, but we'll uh, let's jump into these transfers because I yeah. think Auburn added an extra win or two Ooh. with the addition of some of these transfers. And I think you could actually boil down an extra win on this schedule because of Auburn's top transfer they've brought in. And it's the most recent one at the record at the time of us recording this show. Percy Lewis, the offensive tackle for Mississippi State. I believe the addition of him alone adds at least one extra win to Auburn's 2024 schedule because it's not all about Lewis. You get a solid left tackle. I think he's going to start at left tackle for the Mm -hmm. Tigers, and then it upgrades that guard position with Dylan Wade being able to scoot inside. We assume he'll stay on the left side. I guess in theory he could go to the right side, but regardless, it's a major upgrade at two different positions when you already feel good about center with Connor Liu and you already feel good about right tackle with a Xavion Miller, too tall Miller. So to me, Percy Lewis, not only the the biggest contributor I'm predicting going into 2024 of Auburn's transfers, but I think he adds an extra win or two on the schedule because it's, it's that big of an upgrade. I can also say he literally is the biggest transfer. He's, He's 6'8", huge. 345. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question that I have is, I, I pulled up PFF when you sent me the rundown and you told me, he, you know, here's here's what I'm thinking about for my order. And he hasn't played. And so my question about Percy Lewis is, is it, are we projecting and just assuming he's going to be an SEC caliber left tackle? Uh but if we are, I do like the fact that you now get somebody who has that prototypical size on the end. Because Dylan Wade, great player for Auburn last year, 6'3", 307. Watching the, the NFL, yeah, he's a guard. That's, that's guard size. Watching the NFL all weekend, the big thing that you notice is all of these tackles are very tall and very heavy, and it's. That's the cascade effect with offensive line, right? We're not going to be able to point to anything specifically and say, yes, here's the effect that Percy Lewis had. It's all belief, but it makes sense because provided he can stand up to starting in the SEC, which we don't know that, but provided he could do that, it makes multiple other positions better because of the cascade effect where, where does Dylan Wade go? Does that move a Xavier Miller or somewhere? Things like that. So it's, that makes sense. I'm not going to fight you on Percy Lewis being number one. Uh, good get. Welcome to Auburn, Percy Lewis. Glad you got yeah. it, Mississippi. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he is too. I, I think when you look at these lists of seven guys that have transferred to Auburn during this portal window, Percy Lewis is the one you can most definitively state that he raises the ceiling for his position group as well as the floor. I think there are some guys that you're kind of taking a swing and you're hoping it's a home run. And then there are some guys that are clear depth pieces. Percy Lewis seems to me to be kind of the standalone guy that is a clear upgrade in both the ceiling and the floor for the offensive line group. And because of that, I think Auburn picked up an extra win in 2024 because of the addition of Percy Lewis. 
Number two transfer coming in, in my opinion, Lindsay, is Dorian Mausi, the linebacker from Duke. I think some people may disagree with this a little bit, and, and if you're in that boat, let's certainly have that discussion. But Dorian Mausi, he didn't transfer to sit on the bench. This is a guy who right. played a ton of football, a ton of football at Duke, over 1,000 snaps, which is incredibly valuable. I believe he's going to start next to Eugene Asante right now, and I think he raises the floor of this linebacker room because the biggest competition right now to him is Austin Keys, and we saw Austin Keys look pretty solid when he wasn't injured mm -hmm. a year ago, but you just never know. You never know with injury, especially with the linebacking uh, position, and so I, I think the fact that he has the potential to start next to Eugene Asante, as well as push Austin Keys and Cam Riley in the linebacker room, Sign me up. I love this. Um, I love this addition. And so he's my number two transfer coming into Auburn. See, I, I think this is somewhere where I'm going to push back slightly simply because I'm not sure, I guess, one, how much his ACC experience translates over to the SEC. If you kind of go up and you pull, not, not that PFF is gospel or anything, sure. but if you pull up the grades, most of his conference games, Florida State, Clemson, Louisville, Virginia, he's grading out in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And so he's coming into the second linebacker role, arguably the lesser impactful one over Eugene Asante. And he's a guy that his best games, and it makes sense, but his best games were against lesser competition and, you know, Lafayette, uh, things like that, you know, a, a small sample size against Pitt. I think this probably works as number two, if you're going off the same boat as the Percy Lewis edition, right? That this can push somebody into some other role. I've been saying for a long time, I thought Cam Riley would work pretty well in like a, a, a pressuring the quarterback blitz kind of role. Me too. I'd and, love him in a Jack. Um, yeah. Uh, a Jack linebacker spot. I'm with you. So like if, if the addition of Mausi, uh, which people who listen to my podcast know my I never get names right so I'm glad I got that one um if if Mausi, that's according to the Duke uh pronunciation guide on their side so thank I you Duke love for, pronunciation uh, for guides minor league teams need to do that uh if if Mausi can push Cam Riley into more of a jack role and then Austin Keys can be that third guy and they can compete for the number two snaps I think this ends up being the number two move the number two transfer coming in but just him as himself Mm -hmm. I just don't see where it's enough to be in front of somebody else like a Trill Carter or a Robert Lewis or somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think if you were going to move somebody above him, it would be Trill Carter. We'll discuss him in a second. Like you said, PFF grades aren't gospel, 100%. Right. Um, but just for the sake of conversation, these were the defensive PFF grades for the entire season for Auburn's linebackers last year. Robert Woodyard played four snaps, but his was a 68. Austin Keys, who was essentially a starter, played starter reps whenever he was healthy, 74. I believe that's highest on the team among linebackers. It yeah. is. Yeah. Wesley Steiner, in the nine games that he played, was a 69.2. Very nice. But a lot nice. of that has to do with he was an effective pass rusher, and his tackling grade was really high, which props to Wesley Steiner. Kind of goes back to, let's put him at Jack linebacker and see what he can do there. Yep. Um. My bad. That was Wesley Steiner. Excuse me. Cam Riley's was 66.7. 
Um, he, he had a yeah high pass rushing grade there of 74, which which you love to see. And then Eugene Asante was a 64.2, so did not grade well. Then Larry Nixon, PFF hated Larry Nixon with a 41. And so, I mean, you just see how many snaps Larry Nixon played a year ago. Right. And I think if that if the window to that role is open, which I think it is, Dory Mausi is a massive upgrade. That that that's that's my logic there. Okay. I mean, I can see it. And then that's something two to three, I think, is the the smallest. Like Percy Lewis is clearly up and above everybody else. And I feel like Mausi, Carter, yeah. They're in that second tier. The order doesn't necessarily matter. They're just in that second tier. But I mean, I can give you that. That's that's given what he's replacing. I think that's an aspect I hadn't necessarily thought about. I was thinking about how much can you do behind Eugene Asante. But yeah. if you get Larry Nixon off the field, that might work out well from PFS perspective. Sure. Once again, Valid. PFF not gospel, but right. the um, it is a useful tool. I think. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Number three is Trill Carter. The defensive lineman from Texas will discuss him. I've got a best case and a worst case scenario for Trill Carter. That's coming up right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The playoffs are here. What a what an interesting weekend of playoff football. Uh, hopefully you got in on the action and hopefully you took every CJ Stroud prop bet that you possibly could over at FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. All you have to do is place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose. The app is easy to use and there's so many different ways to bet with live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Um, you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. I mean, there's so much going on over at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NFL and the LockedOn Podcast Network. Lindsey Crosby, our guest today from AuburnDaily.com. We mentioned it. Trill Carter is, I think, the third most impactful transfer coming in in Auburn's class. The defensive tackle from Texas. The best case for Carter is he finds a role on all three downs. The worst case is he provides quality depth for a defensive line room that desperately needs it. Lindsay. Uh, I would say probably the, the, the worst case is something he does some sort of dumb thing off the field and gets arrested and never sees the field. But I think I'm just way I, too literal with the worst case thing. Sure. You know? I, I'm assuming he's yeah. going to be fine in that yeah. regard. Yeah, yeah no, it, it's Carter to me, and I probably would have had him second instead of third. I think the big thing there is you're losing a starting quality guy in Justin Rogers. And the thing about Troll Carter, he played a lot of defensive tackle versus nose tackle. He did get some run at nose tackle, including against Alabama. So he has played some nose. Um, but to me, it's something where he, he kind of feels like a jack of all trades. He can do everything you ask of him. He may not be the best player on your team at any of those things but he can fill in it everywhere. And so if you assume a little bit of continued development, yes. you know, possibly with starter reps, he steps up a little bit, then I think he can end up being more impactful than a guy like a Mousi. The, the big thing is there's so many less options in the defensive interior than there are in the linebacker room. And I think that's probably why in my head, I had these guys swapped in the order, but I do agree that I mean, worst case scenario He's your rotational guy like a Lawrence Johnson was last year where he gets snaps. He's there to give you a stout presence on the second team when you're rotating and resting guys. 
And there's literally no downside to bringing in a Trill Carter. Plus, his name is Trill Carter, and that's just great fun. It's a great name. It's a great name. It's a great name. Yeah. And his stuff in Minnesota was really, really solid. So, um, had a smaller role at Texas. I don't know if they promised him more time or if he thought he could compete, but I mean, Texas just emphasized the pass rush on their defensive line so much. And I don't know if he's really a pass rusher, but just when you look at guys that can play nose or the three technique on this team right now, and Gage Keys, the other transfer from Kansas, we'll talk about him on our list down uh, in just a second. But Jason Jones, Akevius Walker, Quintrail, Jamison Travis, Darren Reed, it's probably three technique defensive end. We'll see. And then you've got guys coming in that are that are true freshmen. So he's going to get reps. He's going to get snaps and he's mm-hmm. going to get opportunity. So he's going to be important. There's no question about it. Will he live up to the billing? I don't know. I'm very concerned about this Auburn, de- uh, Auburn defensive front. And so Trill Carter is uh, one of several guys that will need to step up on this defense next year. But best case, he finds a role in all three downs and can develop some sort of a pass rush or can eat blocks or something. Uh, the worst case, I think he's just a quality depth piece. But I think the realistic uh, expectation somewhere, somewhere in the middle. My number four is Robert Lewis, the wide receiver from Georgia State. Obviously uh, explosive at Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Um, was a big part of what they did offensively. Can this translate to the next level? We kind of got burned a year ago with transfer wide receivers. And so I'm just hesitant. I'm hesitant to get excited about transfer wide receivers right now, unless they just are absolutely proven. And we kind of saw, I I think he's better than some of the guys that came in a year ago. Like, I think he's more productive than Nick Mardner was. Mm -hmm. I think it makes more sense, you know, with with Shane hooks, but you know, Shane hooks is like, he was just a highlight machine. Um, coming into Auburn and even in practice. And so to me, it's just like until we see a transfer receiver fully translate what they did at their previous stop to now, I don't know. But he has stuff in this room that nobody else has, and that is productivity and experience. And so can he compete with some of the more natural talent that's already on Auburn's roster? The thing for me about Robert Lewis is I know that drops are not an official statistic, and that's all into the mind of the evaluator and things like that. Sure. Robert Lewis, per, again, PFF is not gospel, but Robert Lewis graded out with seven drops last year and seven touchdowns last year. And I I, I feel like a 68% receiving percentage, you know, like a catch percentage there, only seven drops and the same number of touchdowns, like... The dude went off for 12 catches in one game, and it it feels like he's a little more proven than some of the other transfer options you brought in, than a Nick Marner, than a you know, than some of these guys. And so, I think at least early, while these highly touted receivers are still trying to adjust to the speed of the college game, uh, the different lifestyle of you're not living at home now, you're living, you know, you're, you're, you're living on campus. You're, mm-hmm. you're a professional athlete in every sense, but the literal, right. Uh, I think that Robert Lewis, at least early can give you, uh, can be a big part of your offense. And you're probably going to see them go to him early and often. Now, as those receivers get more comfortable with the quarterback get more comfortable in the scheme, does he get passed by some of by your cam Coleman's and things like that? I don't know. But I think at least early, he's done it in college. He's been in college for multiple years. He's been productive. He has 877 yards on 70 catches last year. Like, 
Yeah. He has a different level of production versus the other transfers. So I'm a little more inclined to believe on this one. I just don't know how much of this is me wanting to believe versus having reason to believe, right? Well, I mean, Auburn, nobody, I mean, let's not even just say transfers, just Auburn receivers. Like, Coy Moore doesn't have that production. No. Cam Brown doesn't have that production. Jay Fair doesn't have that production. Sam Jackson's new to playing wide receiver. And then Caleb Burton, he doesn't have that level of production. Then the rest are freshmen. So it's like he, he's got something that nobody else in this room has. My fifth ranked uh, transfer regarding impact this year for Auburn is Gage Keys, the defensive lineman from Kansas. Keys was a solid rotational piece at Kansas. I think he can do that role at Auburn. I don't think it's flashy, but once again, it raises the floor of that defensive line position. And I think there's a chance he could impact the pass rush um, rushing from the three technique at points throughout the season. That 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 to me is the upside for Keys. Yeah, I mean he he had eight hurries in a sack last year. I the big thing to me is How I many wish, pass rush attempts did he have? Do you have that in front of you? Uh, yeah, he had 154 pass rush attempts and he had eight hurries and one sack. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, eight hurries, four hits, one sack. Okay. Uh, I'm glad he got that sack late in the year there. Um, I wish. I, I feel like I have him slightly below Sam Jackson. And I think part of that is believing in Sam Jackson. I think part of that is at some point in time, and Trill Carter did this in his previous stop, like Gage Keys has only played the interior. And we all want to compare Gage Keys to Marcus Harris, right? Because they both came from Kansas. Marcus Harris had a lot more experience on the like playing defensive end as well. And Trill Carter has that. Gage Keys has literally only played in the interior his entire time. And I feel better about him on, on, on maybe on like, this is the thing. Like I struggle to see where he's going to fit in as anything more than a rotational piece. Right. And he's the Lawrence Johnson of this season, right? You bring in a guy who's been a starter in power five and he's going to be a backup for you. I just, I feel like Sam Jackson has the potential to jump ahead of him in these rankings. And so I think mm -hmm. that's why I struggle with keys at five. Yeah. Yep. All right, then let's uh, let's go ahead and tackle the last two on this list. Sam Jackson, the fifth, is is, is my sixth, uh, the wide receiver slash quarterback from Cal. I just think I, I know Auburn fans are so excited about this guy, mm -hmm. and everybody tells me I should have I should be higher on this kid. I just think there's several guys on Auburn's roster that can do what we believe Jackson can do, and they've played receiver at the college level already. So that's my thinking on it. I'm not saying Sam Jackson isn't an incredible athlete. I'm not saying he can't translate from being a quarterback to uh, or transition from being a quarterback to a wide receiver at the college level. I'm not saying any of that, but I want to see it first. I want to see it first. Yeah. See, I think my thought process is he's played with Peyton Thorne before and Looking at what happened last year, I feel like the offense, part of what was holding the offense back was Peyton Thorne. But part of what was holding the offense back was him not knowing what the receiver was going to do. We heard so much about how uh, this, this offense requires receivers to read the defense and make decisions. And it doesn't necessarily matter what thing you choose as long yeah. as the quarterback knows what you're going to choose. And maybe I'm just giving too much credit to the fact that they played together in high school. But it feels like if he's going to have chemistry with anybody, because he didn't have it with the guys in the room last year, feels like Sam Jackson's a guy he's known for a long time. They could have this chemistry. And I honestly assume they're going to work together a lot this summer. 
And so I like I believe the they're idea. roommates. Yes. I, I think they're going to live together. So I hope you have chemistry with your roommate. Mm-hmm. So like, hopefully he's going to be able to just, it doesn't necessarily matter how good you are running routes. If the quarterback knows what you're going to run and where you are, I think that's more important at this point than how good is the route. So, so, so if, if that's the argument, I think you could spin that and say, well, Peyton Thorne has played with Jay Fair at the college level more recently than Sam Jackson. He's thrown to and played with Caleb Burton. He's thrown to and played with all of these guys that are returning. So I, I just have a hard time like That's buying valid. that argument. That's valid. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. And if you buy into that argument, then I think you should be excited about all these receivers coming back in another year of Peyton Thorne. So I don't think you can have it both ways. And there's a lot of folks uh, critiquing Peyton Thorne that they want it both ways. And so True. we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Plus the trick there. play potential, I think, is there. I'm with you. They're going to do one. They're going to do one. I'm with you. Okay, let's uh, let's speculate. Auburn does not have an offensive or defensive coordinator at the time of this recording. What does that mean? We'll discuss in just a moment. Right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. We know that you come to sports to escape some of the craziness of, uh, of real life, but let's just talk real for a minute about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. Obviously, that can be scary. You want to feel prepared and obviously the thought of, of something happening to somebody you care about and I mean that that's that's a big deal. So Jace case uh, is a pack of five different antibiotics used to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, all sorts of stuff. It's stuff that happens to everybody at some point. So visit jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com, use offer code LOCKEDON, all one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, to get $20 off your order. Lindsey Crosby, our guest today, And let's just speculate on why it could be taking Auburn so long to hire a new coordinator, both on the offense or the defense. Going into the weekend, most people believe Chris Kiffin was the favorite to be Auburn's next defensive coordinator. Of course, he is the linebackers coach for the Houston Texans. Houston obliterated the Cleveland Browns, and so their season is still going. There is buzz now that Auburn is moving on from Chris Kiffin because of the timing of all of this. So if that's the case, I don't know if Hugh Freeze and staff is starting over or at that point, I don't know why you wouldn't just be patient unless Chris Kiffin turned you down. But all in all, like I don't think it's a great situation. I don't think it's a great thing. I'm not like, I don't think it like impacts wins or losses for the season or anything like that, but it's just at some point as a coaching staff, you want to be ready to go so you can start prepping for spring. Yeah. If your coordinator gets hired on January 15th or January 30th, I don't know how much difference that really makes, provided you're not making wholesale changes to, to the defense. Although I will say the better that Houston does, the greater the likelihood that he'll have an NFL opportunity. And that may be part of the reason why they've moved on as they said, yeah, okay, maybe. well, we're getting word he's going to be a candidate for those kind of things. Um, no, the defensive coordinator is actually you. Like right now, listening to this, you are the defensive coordinator. Um, 
I'm not too concerned at this moment simply because it's January 14th, right? You're not you're not doing a ton of recruiting for 20 the 25 class right now. You've got portal visits and things like that going on, but uh, I think this is something where you see other guys coming in and I'm not too worried about not adding a defensive coordinator right now, provided that there is some sort of plan. And we're all assuming there's a plan, right? Uh, if you have so. to move on from Kiffin and start over, then it starts to get like, okay, now now we're kind of late in the cycle. Most of the coaches have already been hired. That becomes a problem. But I think provided that it happens in the next week or two, you don't have any real long-term effects that are bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Uh- I was told I was told to look at Tom Allen. Now, there are reports that he's accepted the job to be the DC at I believe it's Penn State. Of course, he was at Indiana, defensive minded coach. I, I think he's a right. good coach. I just think it's really hard to win at Indiana. Um, not wrong. But it could be a situation like Wesley McGriff coming back, like he was at AM but didn't sign everything. It wasn't official. And so that's that would be interesting. That would be fun. I think that'd be a home run hire. I don't know about it if he can recruit or not, but you know, not everybody has to be the best recruiter in the world. I want Chris Kiffin. I still want Chris Kiffin, but we'll see. Yeah. My we'll see my defensive coordinator, there. because I have an offensive-minded head coach, I want my defensive coordinator to be an X's and O's guy. Like that's what I'm most concerned about. I mean, Ron great. Roberts, Ron Roberts was a solid defensive coordinator a year ago. Just the personality fit didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and that's that's a thing that it's hard to evaluate uh before you hire the guy. And like defensive coordinator on an offensively minded Coach's staff, yes. I want yep. the best X's and O's guy, and hopefully the personalities work. Yeah, somebody who's been a former head coach. Like I, I think that's perfect, honestly. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll this see. is your side of the ball. Treat it like you're the head coach of the defense. Go for yeah. it, buddy. Right. Yeah. Right. Offensive coordinator. <laughs> so, going into the weekend, we thought it was Derek Nix, who's right. you know been at been a position coach at Ole Miss for a long time. Coach mm-hmm. running backs for a long time. Currently, uh, wide receivers. Lane Kiffin tweets out a picture of Coach Derek Nix in a meeting room, and he's like, hey, guys, quit calling telling me that he's at Auburn, tags Auburn football. I, I, I still, everybody I've talked to is still telling me he's the favorite. I don't think that was him shutting anything down. Um, so to me, I think he's still the guy that I am predicting to be Auburn's O.C., the timing of it, like, okay, what are we waiting on? I don't know. I don't know. We did see Auburn in the past delay hiring position coaches, not coordinators, but position coaches, so they could keep certain guys on the recruiting trail longer. That's the ul- right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know exactly. Like The timing doesn't fully make sense. So we'll um we'll see whenever that drops. Um, I, I expect Auburn to hire an OC this week. I, yeah. I really do, Lindsay. And if I had to guess, I'm still going to predict that it's Derek Nix. Yeah, like here's the thing on the OC. Like who it is ultimately doesn't really matter because Hugh Freeze is the OC, right? Right. The DC so matters way. The DC more. matters way more. Yes. And so if you're going to delay one of them, it sucks to have to delay the defensive one. It's fine to delay it knowing that that means Trevon Reed can keep recruiting, can go out and do his thing. Um, but I feel like it's kind of fine, right? You hire an OC this week. If you can't hire 
Kiffin until Texas loses in the play or Houston loses in the playoffs. That's fine because Trevon Reed gets to keep recruiting. It's not a big deal. We shouldn't really worry about it. I just wish in a perfect world they could be flipped and you could hire the defensive coach this week and the offensive coach could come whenever his team was done in the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. And they've got a plan. They've got a plan. Uh, Lindsay, how, uh, how can people check out everything you've got going on? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The Locked on MLB Prospect Show is doing six days a week right now because we give the people what they want. We're previewing the 2024 season want. for Major League Baseball. You've also got Bravestoday.com. We are content machines it's talking true. about the Atlanta Braves. It's and true. we're getting ready to spin up our Auburn baseball coverage on AuburnDaily.com because the wait. season starts in a month. I can't wait. Oh, they're going to be so good. I can't wait. So um, uh, Auburn basketball is very good. If you want uh, if you want the the basketball show, be sure to check that out. Daryl and I went live right after the game. That was a lot of fun. They are very good. So you can find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com. Please subscribe to the show. Like the video. Helps the channel out a ton. Until then, we'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.